Amen. Thank you, Pastor Robert. Good morning, everybody. Uh, welcome to our first official day of summer. Summer is here. I'm sure there will not be rain anymore. I hope so. Amen. Uh-huh. Well, the summer people are very, very fixated with summer boards or summer body. So, <laughs> men are trying to get their six pack. Women are trying to slim. It's, it's, it's a beach. It's a beach season. I will thank God. Before I start, let me wish all men a happy Father's Day. Your work may not be celebrated or recognized. Amen. You know, fathers fathers are lucky even if they get the chicken neck to enjoy. (laughs) You see, Mother's Day, they enjoy a whole chicken. But fathers, even a chicken neck. We are not talking about the leg, that's the neck. It's grace. It will take grace. Your your work may not be celebrated or recognized, but it is very valuable. Uh, Men, know that your work is very valuable and very essential to the makeup of society, which goes a long way in determining the spiritual, emotional, moral, and economic status of a country. So, uh, men, your reward is in heaven. Women, yes, is on F. (laughs) That's okay. Amen. But happy Father's Day to all men. Um, please, if you, if, if, if you know a man or if you have a man in your life, value him. Very important. What, what he does has a very um, ricochet effect on the makeup of a country. You may never know that. Amen. But I think sometimes it's very important to bring such messages to the free. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this morning as we come before your holy word. We pray that your word will come forth in simplicity and in clarity of speech. I thank you for the spirit of the instructor that is in the house that will lead me to all truth, that I will declare the mind and the counsel of the Lord with exactitude, precision, and accuracy. In Jesus' name, amen. Alright, today is the seventh and final installment of our series, His Church, The Church. Amen. Let me try and share my notes. Alright, and uh, I'll be ministering under the sub-theme, Growth. So today's sub-theme is Growth, so that's the title. In part one, we've dealt with the sub-theme, definition and features. And we talked about the church. We defined it, looked at certain hallmarks, and we defined the church as a who, not a what. Okay, so from today, when you hear the series on the church, they'll be saying, what? See the church as a who. Amen. The church is personified. And uh, we defined also that Jesus is the head of the church. So... He's the official head of the church. You know, in the secular world, when we talk about the church, many people think that the official head of the church is the Pope. It's bigger than that. Jesus is the head of the church. He said, I will build my church. So suffice it to say, Jesus is the head of the church. And we looked at certain hallmarks and features in addition to that. Amen. So we, we did a lot on part one, covering the whole spectrum of church. In parts two to four, we ministered under the sub-theme, uh, Ministry Gifts of the Church. And we stress that Christ builds his church through people. 
and he sends people as gifts who come in the form of the five-fold ministry. And we went ahead to define each role and what their peculiarities are as pertaining to the apostle, the prophets, evangelist, the pastor, and the teacher. Um, in part five, we looked at the sub theme, the purpose of the ministry gifts to the church. And when you read Ephesians chapter 4, verse 12, it's there. The Bible lets us know that the fivefold ministry are supposed to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. And we unpack that whole statement and we concluded that the end goal of this is for the edifying of the body of Christ, which then led us to our sixth installment where we talked about the metrics of a built-up church. And that was just last weekend. We try to understand what does it mean when we say the church is being built up. And we looked at the scripture in verse 13, which gives the certain key indicators as I asked it, and we talked about three of them. Amen. I advise you to listen to the messages for a recap and also um, build your faith capacity as you are being fed with knowledge on this all-important subject. Amen. Uh, with that said, let's look at our text for today. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 14 to 16. <clears throat> Typo. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 14 to 16. sorry we have stayed on this chapter in the last five messages of our series Um, we'll read today verse 14 to 16 that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting verse 15 but speaking the truth and love may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ. Verse 16. From whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working, by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. Amen. Um, the end result of the church being effectively discipled and equipped results in growth. So that's the resultant effect of everything we've learned. So the combinative effect of discipleship and effective equipping from the fivefold ministry, when we talk about God is building the churches, that growth ensues. And in this passage of scripture, we will see growth on two levels. But before that, let us define growth. And I'll just give a general definition of growth. I won't even go to dictionary. Growth just simply means increase. So wherever you sense increase, some sort of increase, it's safe to say you are experiencing growth. And when we follow God's blueprint for the church, growth definitely will occur. It's a natural thing. It's very natural in the kingdom. I believe that one of the things that's not a phenomenon in the kingdom of God or in the spiritual um, realm of Christianity is growth. It's not a phenomenon. It's not something supernatural. It's very natural because in God's order of things, growth has to occur 
Uh, Jesus and his lifetime gave a series of parables in Matthew chapter 13. When you read the whole Matthew chapter 13, you will see seven parables there. And I want us to look at one particular parable. So go with me to Matthew chapter 13, verse 31 to 32. Matthew chapter 13, verse 31 to 32. Another parable he puts forth to them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed. You know, in today's time, we don't even use the word mustard seed. We use the word acorn seed, and it's the same. The acorn seed is the seed um, the seed for a tree. And if you ever see an acorn seed, you will be surprised. It's so tiny and so little that you even need a microscope to see it well. That's how small it is. But when you plant this small thing, that seemingly looks nothing to the eye. The Bible lets us know that it grows up to become a tree. And when it becomes a tree, the Bible says it becomes greater than all the herbs and the best of the air come and nest in its branches. So Jesus was really talking about the kingdom of God here. You know, the word kingdom comes from two words, king's domain. So that, that's, that's kingdom. So when we talk about kingdom, we are talking about the express presence of God. And a church is a type of the express presence of God, carries the presence of God. It is known to be a representative of the kingdom of God. And Jesus is saying that wherever the kingdom is planted, there is supposed to be growth. So, like I said, growth is a normal thing when the kingdom of God is in full force and operation. So maybe you may ask, why do churches not grow? There could be many reasons. But let me answer this question with a question. Are you building the church according to God's pattern? Because that's very important. Because the good book in Psalm 127 verse 1 says that unless the Lord builds the house, they that labor, labor in vain. You see, in as much as God will want to bless every enterprise and every project, especially his church with growth, there are also prerequisites to that. You will have to do it according to pattern. And I can give you typical examples. Noah Moses, Solomon, these three have something in common. They were builders. One built the ark, another built a tabernacle, and another built a temple. Now, when you read Genesis chapter 6, Noah didn't just build anything. He built according to specifications and stipulations. God gave him instructions, the wood he's supposed to use, how long are the cubits. He gave him all the dimensions, and then Noah built it. You get me? So God is not just interested in you just doing anything for him. He's also interested in the commandments, the specifications that is attached to the project. Moses in the same way. When he was building the tabernacle, in fact, when you read four chapters, that's Genesis chapters 26 to 30, all these chapters are dedicated to instructions on how Moses should build the tabernacle, how he should build the altar of incense, how he should compound holy anointing oil, how he should build the bronze laver, how he should 
do the altar of incense. A whole lot of specifications, you know. And Moses followed according to plan. That's why the tabernacle, God blessed the work of Moses' hands when he built the tabernacle. And the same with Solomon. In fact, when you read 1 Chronicles chapter 28, the Bible lets us know that David told Solomon that you are the one who has been appointed to build the kingdom or the temple. And when David had finished giving his son instruction, the Bible lets us know that he gave him all the tools, every equipment that will be needed to build a temple. And then there is a very important statement in one of the verses, I think in verse 12, 1 Chronicles chapter 20. The Bible lets us know that, and he gave him all the plans which God had inspired him by the spirits concerning the temple. And that's why when Solomon finished building the temple, the Bible lets us know that the glory of the Lord rested on the temple. The glory of the Lord can only rest on commissioned projects by God. And when God gives you projects, he he gives commission, he gives assignments, he gives prerequisites. And if we follow it according to plan, we should experience results. And one of the results we should experience is growth. So even me as a pastor, I'm very encouraged to, to seek hard after the Lord to seek the Spirit's guidance than copying church models or marrying methods. And that's why sometimes, you know, I'm very worried. That's my personal opinion of church growth conferences and things like that. In as much as it can be a blessing, I think the main thing is to find out God's personal blueprint for your ministry and then follow that and then build accordingly. Amen. Now, back to our main text. Like I said, wherever the ministry is built according to God's plan and purpose, there is growth. And if we look at the scripture we just read carefully, we will see growth on two levels. You will see the spiritual aspect of growth and you also see the physical aspect of growth. So with that said, let's delve into the first type of growth, which is the spiritual aspect. So when you read verses 14 and 15, the Bible lets us know that verses 14 and 15, I read again, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting but speaking the truth in love they grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ. Now, Ephesians particularly tends to have so many words. So when you are reading that scripture, you really need to take your time and, and unpack it and break it down for you to get the meat of Ephesians. Ephesians is very loaded and sometimes if you don't take care, you might skip over it because you may think it has too many words in there. Amen. But in verses 14 to 15, like I said, you will see the spiritual side of growth. And there are some things that we can highlight from this. One, you don't become a child. 
So when God gives the fivefold ministry gifts of the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher, and when they equip the saints for the work of the ministry, which results in the edifying of the body of Christ, one of the growths that you will be able to see in the life of a believer is that he doesn't become a child. And sometimes when you are a child, it shows by how you understand, how you speak, and how you think. That's why Apostle Paul says that when I was a child, I did childish things. And I did childish things because of how I spoke, understood, and thought by when I became a man, I put away childish things. So, one of the things that will happen as a result of effective discipleship effective equipping of the saints by the fivefold ministry gifts is that people don't become children anymore. There are so many minors in the kingdom. And when you look at this world child, there are three words that describe it. Unskilled, untaught, and childish. You see, so we have to come to a place whereby the members have to grow where they will become skilled in the word of God, skilled in the word of righteousness, skilled in how to handle affairs in the realm of the spirits. They have to come to a place where they have received instruction and they are well taught. And because of that, they are able to carry out uh, mandates and execute tasks given to them by the spirit of God. And they have to come to a place whereby they are no longer childish. They are not exhibiting childish tendencies through their speaking, their thinking, and their understanding. You don't become a child. So you see, when growth occurs, it has to show forth in the spiritual aspect of the believer. You don't become a child. It is unfortunate that sometimes when pastors don't take their job or the fivefold ministry gifts don't take their job serious in equipping the church people become immature and the ministry suffers so that's one of the first things you see the second thing that you will see about growth which has to do with a spiritual aspect is they are not carried about by every doctrine and the trickery of men that's very important you know, it's one of the things, you know, people who are easily faced by new teachings on the block are not matured. And if you've been around this Christian uh, landscape for some time, there's been quite few, a, a few of them. You know, at one time there was the faith movement, it came, it, it went away. At one time they became the healing movement. And all these things are Bible. It's not like they are not Bible. All these things are Bible. They have their emphasis. But when you are spiritually matured, you tend to stay with what the Bible says. You are not really faced by those things. You know, a time came, it's like the grace revolution has arrived. And, and so many things, it's like, wow. Is, is God really um, that confused? You know, but what happens is that you, you tend to stay in the word and anchor yourself in the word and you don't become easily faced by doctrines and by certain teachings. 
you know you are not easily mesmerized you know you find too many people who have become confused as a result of too many teachings too like oh there's a new revelation here i'm gonna go for it and the old revelation that god even gave to you how far have you even worked with it have you been able to even obey and apply those words and even see the word work in your life you know so sometimes it's not the chasing of fads that matters it is it has been faithful to what god has shown to you and allow it to bring results it, it should be proof evident in your life that the word works so we are not carried about with with doctrines and and with new teachings and new age and and all those things you 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 become very stable and you become very centered in what god has said so that that's that's another sign where where a church is effectively equipped and discipled well members are not carried about by every doctrine they are not and then they are also not carried by the trickery of men if I, when you read second timothy chapter 4 verse 3 to 4 the bible lets us know that in the last days people will not endure sound doctrine do you know what that tells me you have to endure sound doctrine doctrine is not to be enjoyed it has to be endured <laughs> It has to be endured. But the Bible said that in the last days, people will not endure it, but they will heap for themselves teachers because they have an itching ear. And that's a sign of a child right there. Because when someone becomes a child, they will just move from place to place, from church to church. They will move from every church. You know, like in six years, they would have been to 18 churches. And they have 22 pastors and 22 spiritual fathers. And as today is Father's Day, they are sending messages to every pastor calling them Happy Father's Day, my spiritual father. But I, I don't think it's right. There's something wrong with that picture. When you are truly matured, you become stable, you become anchored, and you just join one church where you are fed well where the stream of God's word flows in purity. So that's really what is more important. Amen. A spiritual man is very discerning when it comes to the trickery of men. You see, there is one thing about being a Christian. Being a Christian doesn't mean you are a fool. Being a Christian also means you are discerning and you are wise. People who are gullible easily fall for the tricks of men. And the Bible describes even the trickery of men in total in verse 15. It's, they are not just tricksters, but the Bible says that they do it in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. Let me tell you something. It will take common sense to know what is good from bad, what is black from white. But it will take discernment to know what is right from almost right. You see, many people know how to choose between good and bad, black or white. Many people are very good at that. But many people don't seem to have the discernment to know between this is right and almost right. This is where you need discernment. You don't need common sense anymore. You need discernment. It's discernment that will able to know, okay, there is a difference between this is right 
and this is almost right. And that's how come many people become deceived because when many people become deceived, they are not deceived between the options of good or bad, black or white. They are deceived between right and almost right. And this is where discernment comes in. So when you are not carried about by every doctrine and you are not carried about by the trickery of men, it means that your senses have been fully developed where you are now relying on the inspiration of the Holy Spirit to lead you and where your discerning has become sharper. That's what it truly means. The third thing that we see here is that they speak the truth in love. And what does it mean to speak the truth in love? Here in this text, when the Bible talks about speaking the truth in love, it means professing the truth. So it means being an active believer of God's word. John chapter 17, verse 11, I think. The Bible says that sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. So when we are talking about truth here, we are talking about the word of God. So you become a a, a professing believer of the word of God and you do it in love. If you don't take care, these statements will make you think that speaking the truth means you are just speaking the truth to somebody. But it's, it's deeper than that. It's talking about professing, believing in the truth, walking by the truth, and you do it out of a heart of love. Love for God and love for his word. And now when you, you read verse 15, the Bible lets us know that we grow up into all things into him who is the head of the church. So the growth here from verses 14 to 15 is talking about the stature of the believer, which has to do with the spiritual aspects. So the one aspect of growth that you will see as a result of effective discipleship and effective equipping of the saints has to result in the spiritual aspect of a believer. Do you understand that? Now let's go to verse 16. From which the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. So now we've looked at the spiritual aspects of growth from verses 14 to 15. Now let's look at the physical aspect of growth in verse 16. Now, when you read verse 16 carefully, I just want to cherry pick some statements to make a point. It says, joined and knit together. Joined and knit together. This talks about the unity of the church. The devil is not so much afraid of a church than a united front of believers. And that's why in last week's installments, we really stressed on one way for the church to be united is to be together in the unity of the faith. Amen. So, even now, superheroes, they don't even believe in solo work anymore. Are you aware of that? 
when we were, when we were kids, we used to watch things like Spider-Man, Superman. Now they don't even do that. They do Avengers with a league of superheroes. The whole world is changing. It's even affected the comic world, even common comics. You know, now Superman is joining with Batman, Spider-Man is with Black Panther. All these people, and they create a whole league of alliance. In business, it's called strategic mergers. Companies are just merging together. There is something that happens when all hands are on deck, united together towards a common goal. And that's the physical aspect of growth. The church is joined and knit together. Look, it only happens on the premise of effective discipleship, effective equipping. You, you can't wish it, you can't pray it. It, it, it takes work. And that's why God has endowed the five-fold ministry for this job. It's a hard job to do, but it's possible. But when growth will really take place in the church, one of the things that you will see when it comes to the physical side of growth is the unity of the church. They are joined and knit together. They are not disjointed and they are not separated. They are joined and knit together. One heart, one mind, one purpose, one vision, one goal. The unity of the church. Joined and knit together. And the premise on which that will happen is what we read last week in verse 12 and 13. That's we will experience the unity of the faith. The unity of the faith promotes the church to move in the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. I really believe that a place where there is commonality of beliefs in the guiding principles of the Christian faith greatly promotes unity among the church. It fosters love among the church. It fosters the church to march forward as a united front and have one goal, one purpose, one vision. Amen. Now, the next thing that you will see is a statement that I want to read. By what every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does a share. Now, when I read this statement, I can just remember this very common phrase, all hands on deck. It means every member contributes with their talents, gifts, and skills to the building of the church. Just some few minutes earlier, I talked about Moses building the tabernacle. But do you know that no matter how anointed Moses was, he would not have been able to build a tabernacle. You know, Moses was a prophet, great prophet of God, wrote the Bible, wrote part of the Bible, Genesis to Deuteronomy. There was a high priest at that time called Aaron with three of his sons. They were very anointed, right? Moses had able assistance. Joshua was one, Caleb was one, Her was another. You know, her was the one that held up Moses' hand and Joshua also held the other hand for them to experience victory. Moses had some powerful people in his team. 
Miriam, Miriam was a prophetess. She could also lead praises and worship. You know, the Bible lets us know that she becomes inspired by the Spirit of the Lord and she creates a song. Can you imagine that? We are using YouTube for praise and worship. Miriam is a very wild worshiper. She will just stand there and then by inspiration, a song will just come out. They've just done the praises. We, we, we can't do that. It's, it's, a, it's a serious anointing. But with all the heavy anointings these people had, none of them could build a tabernacle. None. It took a man called Bezalel, who was a skilled artisan, to build it. And do you know where Bezalel came from? Bezalel lived in Egypt. So I'm sure when he was in Egypt, he learned all these skills. And with all his team, his craftsmen, they all learned this skill. These were skills they learned in Egypt. They didn't learn it in the wilderness. They learned it in Egypt. And probably they were putting these skills to work. And it was these same people that God said that, I have filled Bezalel with the spirit of the Lord and I have anointed him to build a tabernacle. So, every talent, gift, skill is not small in the eyes of God. Every talent is needed. For a church to really experience the physical part of growth, all hands have to be on deck. So for ICC like this, it doesn't have to just be Pastor Steve, Pastor Jessica, Pastor Robert, Minister Lily. You don't grow a church that way. You grow a church when all hands are on deck. I'm talking about the physical aspect of growth. Because when it comes to to the growth of particularly a church, you have to see the spiritual aspect of it, which happens in the individual life of a member but when we are talking about the physical aspects of growth it has to be a corporate thing we have to be joined and knit together and then number two all hands have to be on deck for you to experience that explosion you see so moses like we said no matter how anointed he was he still needed some people among the three million who will be selected to build a tabernacle. And because of Bezalel, there was a tabernacle where they could go and worship God. Because of Bezalel, there was the Holy of Holies. There was the bronze laver. There was the altar of incense. Every instruction that God gave to Moses, a common man from the floor, had the spirit of the Lord vested in him to be able to accomplish the task. So like pastors, we receive many instructions, many inspiration, but it's not going to take a few of us to do it. It's going to take each and every one of us with different skills, different talents, different abilities. When we converge it together to build the church, that is when we will begin to see the glory of God. Do you understand? And then when you read the scripture, it says that, by which every part does its share causes growth of the body for edifying and love. So you see in verse 15, we see the word may grow up in all things into him. Verse 16, we see causes growth of the body. 
So verse 15 is talking about the believer's stature. He will grow in Christ. The spiritual development of a Christian. Verse 16 is talking about more people joining the church. That's growth of the body causing it to edify itself in love. Are you understanding me? So when it comes to the end goal of the whole church, everything that God has planned and has put in place for a local assembly, the end result of it all is that there will be growth. Growth in the spiritual aspect where it shows in the life of a believer that he is attaining the stature of Christ. Then the physical growth, which has to do with more people joining the church. So in short, Christ is building his church by sending gifts in the form of people who will build the assembly of believers. We've talked about that. And the gifts that he will send are apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. And they will build the assembly of believers who are known as the church into a spiritually mature folk. They will grow in the stature of Christ. And not just that, but they will also have numbers in addition, which now speaks of influence. So church has to experience growth on two levels. The physical aspects, which talks about numbers, which means influence, and then the spiritual aspects that is attaining the stature of Christ, which talks of spiritual maturity. And that is what we call the balanced growth of a church. And it's holistic. We have to experience these two levels of growth for us to truly say that the church of God or the kingdom of God is indeed experiencing growth. So now we have officially concluded our series on his church, the church. It was important as a church today for us to really have a scriptural view and basis on who the church is, why the church, what are ministry gifts and their rules, why the importance of ministry gifts to the life of a believer. And we have addressed many more of this in this series, seven, seven of these messages. In this month of stewardship, I really want all of us to pray and ask God truly to show us our gifts, talents, and skills that we can use to work for him and for the church that God has called you to. Do you understand? Because remember, like we have asserted these past Wednesdays, especially in the month of stewardship, we will be judged and we will give account of our stewardship. So your talents, your gifts, your skill, everything that you have. What do you have that you did not receive from God? You'll be judged. Never forget that. Never forget that. So let's pray to God that we will be faithful stewards of our talents, our gifts, our skill. Bezalel, I'm sure when he learns about becoming a craftsman and learning how to design things, maybe he thought that he was just going to work in Egypt forever and probably receive pay. But he didn't know that one day 
He was going to be part of the people who Moses was going to take out of Egypt and his services will be employed. Yes, he was not a prophet. Yes, he was not a, 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 a judge. Yes, he was not a priest. Yes, he was not a king, but he was a builder. He had something. Let me tell you something. There is no skill, no talent, no gifts that is too small in the eyes of God. I remember some years ago, there was a lady that came to our church and she said, I know how to do interior decor, floristry. That's it. She didn't have to preach. She doesn't have to lead worship. That's all. And for the few years that she spent there, about two years, I'm very grateful to her. I always remember her in prayer. She decorated the place and made the place beautiful. You think that it's not important. That meant a lot. There were some visitors that came to the church that like, oh, the church looks nice. But it looked nice not because of Pastor Steve. You give these things to Pastor Steve, you'll be, I mean, you ask my wife, you'll be disappointed. I don't have time for these things. But thank God for a certain lady who took it upon herself to decorate the church. See, now she's not in the church anymore, but I believe that her service to God and to the church will be a memorial before God on the day of reckoning. There is no talent, no gifts, no skill that is too small. You might even be using the gift in your corporate world. Who said it cannot be used in church? It can. It can. So this is one thing I really want us to pray about. What's your talent, gift, skill that you can use to work for God and for the church he has called you to? Very important. Find out the church where God has called you to and apply your gifts, your skill, your talent, your time, and your service to him. Remembering that you are a steward and one day you will give an account of it. FYI, don't miss this coming Wednesday because we've been touching on stewardship and now we have reached the place where we are talking about stewardship of our finances. And I believe if you make time and you join us this Wednesday, you will really be blessed. The average believer's knowledge of finances is very poor. And let's come and receive what God has in store for us that we will be faithful stewards of our money and that we will experience the blessing that God will want us to receive as a result of diligent stewardship of our resources, which includes our finances. Amen. The next prayer topic I want us to pray is for ICC Worldwide. Um, on Friday, June 18th, our church turned 26. You know, ICC is just one church in many locations, and we happen to be one of the branches. So the parent church in Ghana just turned 26 on Friday. So uh, one of the prayers I want us to pray as the church has turned 26 is that we may experience this growth. The spiritual side of growth where each member will have Christ formed in them. They will attain the stature of Christ. And then number two, the physical aspect, which has to do with the unity of the church 
Every member's talents, gifts, and skills will be utilized and will be used to God's glory in the furtherance of the gospel, which will cause growth, more people to join the church. So I just want us to pray these two prayer tops. And whilst we are praying for ICC worldwide, New Jersey is included. Connecticut is included. We are all part of one church. We all drink from the same source. So we're going to pray. So pray for yourself that, Lord, show me my talents, show me my gifts, show me my skills. What can I do for you? Number two, what can I use my talents, gifts, and skills for the church you have called me to be in? And then second, let's pray for ICC worldwide that we will experience this growth the physical aspect with talks of numbers, with talks of influence, and then the spiritual aspect of growth, which talks about attaining the stature of Christ. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. <laughs> We pray that Lord may all our gifts and talents and skills come alive in Jesus' name. May we not despise our talents and gifts. May we not see it as too small. And we pray for ICC worldwide. We pray for growth, Lord. We pray for growth that is attaining the stature of Christ. And we pray for the physical aspect of growth, which shows in numbers, which speaks of influence in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. I give you praise. It's done in Jesus' name. I give you praise. Thank you, Lord. Speak to us, O Lord. Minister to our hearts, O Lord. Speak to your people, O Lord. Minister to us our strengths, O Lord. Holy Spirit, be the inspiration, O Lord, this week, O Lord. May we find out why we are called. Father, unveil to us our talents, our gifts, and our skill. Father, we want to work for you, O Lord. And we also want to work for the church you have called us to be in. So, give you praise, O Lord. In Jesus' name. Thank you. On this 26th year, we bless ICC, O Lord. We thank you for your favor. We thank you for all the ministry gifts that are at the helm of affairs of ICC, O oh Lord. We pray that you will help us to be engaged in effective equipping and discipling 
that of a truthful who experience the end goal of ministry, which is growth on all levels. In Jesus' name, thank you. Father, I thank you that you gave me an opportunity to preach this series. And I trust that this work will have a work in the lives of your people. In Jesus' name, amen.